Welcome to this Stroke Journey podcast, brought to you by the National Stroke Education Center at the University of Cincinnati, your premier source for comprehensive diagnostic and therapeutic stroke education from the pre-hospital and emergency settings through the ICU and rehabilitation. Please welcome today's host, Dr. William Knight. Hello, my name is Bill Knight, uh, coming to you with the National Stroke Education Center. Today, I'm privileged to be joined by my friend and colleague, Dr. Jason McMullen. Jason is an emergency physician with uh, special training, fellowship training in emergency medical services. Uh, Jason is also the director of the University of Cincinnati uh, EMS division. Today, we're gonna, Jason, we're going to be talking to you a little bit about some of the controversies in, in pre-hospital medicine with uh, stroke patients. Um, you've been a part or around uh, EMS for the bulk of your career, both before medical school and, and obviously through your career choices in uh, emergency medicine. What would you tell me has changed uh, the most in the last few years regarding just the big topic of EMS and stroke patients? That's a great question, Bill, and I'm very happy to, to be here to chime in on some of this and my thoughts. If we go back 20 years ago when I started my career, uh, stroke was detected in the field by what we now take for granted, the Cincinnati Pre-Hospital Stroke Scale, renamed FAST, of you know facial droop, arm drift, uh, and speech abnormality. And at the time, the stroke system of care was any hospital with a CT scanner, a telephone, and a bottle of TPA could adequately treat stroke patients. What we've seen is as stroke diagnosis and treatment options have developed uh, and radically changed in 2015 with all the endovascular therapy trials, EMS has had to adopt as well. So we've had to get much more nuanced uh, in our ability to uh, not only just diagnose stroke, yes, no, but then is this a bad stroke or not a bad stroke? Uh, and do we need to bypass perhaps a closer primary stroke center uh, for the specialty services offered at a comprehensive stroke center that may be 5, 10, 15 minutes further down the road. So you bring up an excellent point there. My next question was actually going to be, how do you advise your, your medical directors and your squads on the best destination? But before we get to that, I think that that speaks to uh, probably a more important question of not how to choose the appropriate destination, but how to recognize which patients need the appropriate destination in terms of clinical diagnosis, scales, et cetera, and, and then we can move in a little bit about how you advise those, those medical directors and squads. So there are a handful of scales that have been developed, including the Cincinnati Stroke Triage Assessment Tool, which we developed here uh, with our colleagues at Cincinnati Fire Department, but also RACE, LAMS, FAST-ED, and a handful of others. What I think is important for choosing these, because they all... They all perform about the same way, Bill. You know, one is not proven to be uh, superior than the other. It all comes down to how much training and education is required and how much easy understandability there is versus a really complex tool. For those who are listening who, who may not have be involved in EMS, uh, our EMTs get a couple hundred hours of training total initially and then only about 20 hours a year of continuing education. Paramedics get much more training, you know, 1,500, maybe 2,000 hours of initial training, but not much more on an ongoing basis. And this is to cover everything. 
stroke, plus delivering babies, plus uh, airway management, plus cardiac arrest, plus trauma, plus status epilepticus. So any tool that requires lots and lots and lots of training is simply going to be misapplied uh, or forgotten when it's needed. The other is to look at what is the, how does the scale perform, not just in the post hoc diagnosis of LVO, but did the score or did, did the tool get the right patient to the right place in the right amount of time? And one thing that I have a personal kind of strong feelings on is your ICH patient. So if a patient with a, with a large ICH that needs prompt neurosurgical evaluation, scores positive on an LVO scale, but by definition they don't have an LVO, but they wound up at the right place, did that score perform correctly or not? In my opinion, they scored correctly. That's a great answer, and I, I think that hearing what you're saying is that you do advise your squads to have some scale that is simple but validated, high sensitivity for, again, big stroke, whether that be hemorrhage or LVO. Now, how do you advise your medical directors, again, given the, the ge geography, um, the number of different hospitals that can care for, for stroke patients, the different variability in the levels of care at those hospitals? How do you advise those, your medical directors, your chiefs, your, um, your squads on how to choose the appropriate destination, recognizing that every city is different based on state law, uh, local politics, et cetera, but medically, how, how should we be advising our, our EMS squads on, on where the best place to go is? Yeah. So some of your caveats, though, are very important. So there is still a huge urban bias in uh, advanced stroke care. So for our listeners that are in rural areas, smaller towns, uh, if you don't have a higher level of care to triage to, then this doesn't really apply unless you apply some of these concepts to calling a helicopter for direct transport from the scene to an urban comprehensive stroke center versus standard ground transport to your closest and perhaps only hospital with secondary transfer. The other is that, you know, this tends to be very political amongst hospitals. Uh, bluntly, there's not a lot of debate over trauma centers because care of a trauma patient tends to be rather expensive and may not be compensated as well. Stroke care is a little bit different. And you may find that if you're looking to bypass one hospital for another in the name of the best patient care, there may be pushback from competing healthcare systems. My advice is to start working with those systems early and often. And quite frankly, the absolute number of patients that we're talking about is relatively low. Perhaps only as many as 10% uh, to 15% of your total pre-hospital stroke uh, impressions. And then when it comes down to what tool does your agency choose, choose what you think works best for you. Again, from that operational, administrative, and educational burden um, I have my biases towards CSTAT. We designed it in a very simplistic uh, way that if you read the components, then it's simple yes, no answers and a few simple steps that uh, your EMS partners should be able to understand without much, if any, training at all. I think one of the things I take away from that, that comment is that local or public EMS agencies are agnostic. They are not beholden to different hospital systems necessarily like perhaps a private EMS squad. And so 
those relationships and, and navigating those waters of of working in a in a geographic area that may serve several different private organizations or hospitals um, and having to to work closely with them for some of those triage decisions sounds uh, time intensive but also critical to make sure that that the best care is picked for each individual patient to kind of wrap up a little bit can you speak a little bit to what do you currently address or deal with in your role as both a medical director for several uh, EMS squads, both both big and small, as well as leading a division of EMS in an in a emergency department. What are the biggest controversies in pre-hospital medicine or in EMS regarding PICKET, the diagnosis, the management, the transport of stroke patients uh, that currently exist here regionally and if not nationally? So in our area where we have primary stroke centers, primary stroke centers with thrombectomy capability and comprehensive stroke centers, there is a lot of academic debate over where to take these patients. To go back to your, your lead-in, when I sit for my EMS role, I am agnostic to the systems involved, and sometimes it may I may be arguing against a system where I work in the emergency department, uh, but my pre-hospital patients deserve that. EMS is built around getting the right patient to the right place in the right amount of time. I'd say the biggest controversy is also kind of the sexiest thing uh, right now, and that is the concept of mobile stroke units that in many ways truly brings the hospital, the emergency department, and acute stroke care to the patient's driveway. There are plenty of examples and a couple dozen that are across the country and several dozen across the world that it speeds up time to evaluation and in patients without contraindication, it speeds up time to TPA. And in cases with doing CTA in the back of an ambulance is a relatively new thing. We're seeing that it even speeds up time to thrombectomy. Because this is so new and the total numbers are so low, we don't yet have firm evidence of does that timely treatment impact patient outcomes. We can certainly extrapolate from in-hospital data, uh, but we have to see what it really does in the out-of-hospital setting. So uh, exclusive of a, of a mobile stroke unit, which obviously hits all three elements of that question, the diagnosis, the management, and transport. Um, we've talked a little bit about the diagnosis of stroke in the pre-hospital arena with some of the scales. We've talked about transport and some of the triage destinations that EMS has to consider, particularly looking at the different stroke center classifications of stroke ready all the way to comprehensive. Has anything changed or evolved in the last five years regarding the specifics of the management, the actual medical management of a suspected stroke patient in the back of an ambulance or in that pre-hospital arena? So for now, the answer is no, um, but not for lack of trying. So we go back many years and uh, to Los Angeles, where they looked at magnesium as a neuroprotectant. It was a fantastically successful trial in pre-hospital management of stroke patients. The therapy was just neutral and didn't work. And uh, in the UK, they looked at transdermal nitroglycerin, uh, again, as a way to to provide some sort of increased perfusion and circulation in suspected stroke patients. And again, a wonderfully conducted and successfully conducted trial uh, without a successful therapy. So for now, the focus for pre-hospital care of stroke is much like STEMI and much like major trauma. And that is early and rapid recognition, 
early and rapid um, triage and early and rapid transport to the most appropriate hospital, even though it may not be physically the closest. Awesome. Certainly sounds like as we learn how to conduct some of these advanced trials in the difficult pre-hospital arena, there certainly may be some movement on that in the future. Well, that is all I have here today with Dr. McMullen. I appreciate all of you for tuning in and listening, and thank you from the National Stroke Educational Center. Thanks for listening today. This Stroke Journey podcast is a collaboration between the National Stroke Education Center, MCRAIG International, and MedEd on the go. For more comprehensive, high-quality educational resources for healthcare professionals, please visit strokejourney.com.